This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Friday, and this is a special report. We're here for the first North Carolina Senate debate. Republican Ted Budd, backed by Donald Trump. This is an open seat in North Carolina. Ted Budd, the Republican nominee, taking on Sherry Beasley, the Democratic nominee. This is an open Senate seat in North Carolina. This is going to be pivotal, pivotal, pivotal to control of the Senate in November. You're welcome, Wilt Fennis. I, uh, Spectrum sucks. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. I've had to jump through a bunch of hoops, but I do indeed have the debate for you. I had to try multiple browsers to even get it to work. Spectrum sucks ass. But we do have it. We're ready to go. They're getting ready to go to the debate here in just a few minutes. I'm going to give you the rundown, what we're going to be doing next week, and what this is going to look like here tonight. Because right after the live debate from North Carolina, we're going to watch a replay of the Wisconsin Senate debate, which is happening right now as well. I was hoping the Wisconsin debate would happen uh, after the North Carolina debate. Nope, nope, nope. So we're going to watch the Wisconsin debate between uh, incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson and Democratic uh, challenger Mandela Barnes directly after we watch the Beasley-Bud debate from North Carolina. But the the Mandela Barnes-Ron Johnson debate will be on tape delay. We're going to be watching a replay of that. And then if you stick with us, we're going to have the Friday Night Freak Show directly after. Coming up next week, we've got the J.D. Vance-Tim Ryan debate in Ohio. We're going to be looking at the Arizona governor's race. Lake and Hobbs debating on October 12th. We've got Tudor Dixon and Gretchen Whitmer in the Michigan governor's race debating on October 13th. We've got a second Johnson-Barnes debate on October 13th. Then we've got, hopefully it still, hopefully it still takes place a week from today, Raphael Warnock, the sitting Democratic senator, debating... <laughs> Trump-backed Republican nominee, Herschel Walker. Hopefully that one still takes place a week from tonight. But I've heard that Walker is indeed getting cold feet, and it might not happen. I'm going to do my best to make sure everybody that's watching on Twitch doesn't get any commercials during the debate. After the North Carolina debate, if you're watching on YouTube, it should take you directly over to the second event, which is the Wisconsin debate. If it doesn't, please come on over and join us. If you're watching on Twitch, you're just going to go straight through. And then, of course, the Friday Night Freak Show should start right around 10 o'clock tonight with special uh, guest co-host August Aguilar from uh, Strange Films. So here is your meme of the day real quick. Dr. Have we even tried purifying ourselves in Lake Minnetonka? Prince is right. Have we even tried? Have we even tried? So many debates. Warlord can't even get any more erect. Welt, I'm so glad to have you here. Sassy. Love all of you. Vlad. Vlad. So glad to see you, my friend. 
Now, I always explain this during the debates. The the Twitch audience tends to like me to make jokes and talk a lot. The YouTube audience likes me to lay out. So what we do is I'm going to interject sometimes when the moderator is speaking, but almost all of the candidates I will be laying out so you guys really get to hear what is going on. Monsoor! I'm not, no, 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 our next guest is actually going to be Sunday. I have a friend of mine who is an Iranian, of Iranian descent. She is a, an activist here in America, and she's going to let us know what is going on with the protests in Iran. That is Sunday night. I've got a badass guest for you. Got a badass guest for you. Let's go ahead. We're going to take Spectrum's coverage here. They are in a studio right now. They're getting ready to go down to the debate here in just minutes. I'm going to go ahead and let them talk and kind of introduce the debate. Welcome to everybody who might not be a usual viewer of the Troll Patrol. Uh... I can sum up my political leanings in one phrase, if you'll allow me. Uh, I would give anything, anything in the world, to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. That's pretty much that's pretty much my political philosophy right there. I want to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. Not a sexual thing. Not a sexual thing. You live in sexual anarchy. More of a, it's more of a power thing. It's a domination kind of thing. It's it's me it's me wanting to kick authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. So that's enough commentary for me. We're gonna go ahead and take Spectrum. They're going to be going down to the debate stage here momentarily. Pancakes, I can't answer that for you. Is we, we live in, in a capitalist society, unfortunately. But uh I do my best to make these things happen for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to talk as the candidates are talking. This is the Senate debate in North Carolina. This is an open Senate seat. It is pivotal. Why do I keep messing that word up? It is pivotal to see who controls the Senate after this November election. So I'm gonna go ahead and take Spectrum now, and I will lay out for most of the debate. Ruben, you know, traditionally midterms elections are referendums on the current administration. You are very welcome, and I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, current poll numbers are not great nationally. Uh, not even. Welt, thank you for being a freaking follower. Do we expect in the end that that is going to influence the And also, uh, self-promotion. We do have our comedy show where we talk about weird news and, and oddities. Coming up directly after both debates tonight. Please stick around for that. I don't think it's specifically Joe Biden. I think it's Democrats as a whole that are on a referendum. And former President Donald Trump also playing a role. Remember, he endorsed Ted Budd. He's endorsed many of these Republicans. Now the big test for him is how does his field of candidates that he endorsed do... Uh, Dr. Roberts, you know, we have all these other races that are going on. We have important legislative races, whether or not... Republicans take super majorities or not. We have uh, our state Supreme Court races. Will these influence this U.S. Senate race at all? Who actually shows up at the polls? 
I don't think it will because I, I think would say it's the opposite. The Senate race would influence the other races. Voters need to be more careful when you look at the trifectas around the country. They need to be looking at the state house at races. But if, if Beasley can, if you look at commandeer um, a high turnout that will help the other races down the ticket. I want to see if he introduces gun safety, you know, given that uh, Bud has some ties to that. I want to see if he kind of primes some issues and gets, um, you know, is he going to to put Ted Bud on the spot about being um, an election denier? And he isn't. He hasn't so far. How is Tim going to play this time? We'll look at the candidates and Tim. Okay, Tim, we're going to be doing a report on you after Tim. Tim, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, Ruben, I'm going to ask Sorry you to put it all on your shoulders. Do you think that this is going to be a friendly debate, or are we going to see some fire? I think it's going to be friendly in the terms of politics today. I think there's going to be some attacks thrown. I don't think there's going to be any many big surprises. It got a little contentious last night with Blake Masters and Mark Kelly in Arizona. You guys were here for that. And then, of course, the Libertarian candidate had to ask about age of consent, because of course he did. ...debate stage they're going to have tonight. Are they going to be able to find their comfort zone early on, or is it going to take a while to get into it? Remember, this is live TV. There's a lot of pressure. Loretta, I wouldn't want to go back to my first live shot. I won't speak for you. I hope the YouTube clip isn't out there, because uh, it was rough. And so do they find... Ooh, I've told the story of my first live hit. There's a good chance... Well, Chris, it's a big boulder. They've lost their opportunity. I said while I was on the scene of a rock slide. Would have been 19 or 20 at the time. Susan Roberts from Davidson College and, of course, Reuben Jones. Thank you all so much. They are going to be with us for the after show after this debate happens. But this is going to do it for two We will not stick around for the after show. We are going to be watching Mandela Barnes, the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, debate Ron Johnson, the incumbent Republican senator. 2022 U.S. Senate debate. Here we go. Not high enough for this shit. Hello, everyone. I am Tim Boyum. Thank you for joining us for the only debate between the leading contenders for the open U.S. Senate seat here in North Carolina. It is a contest that has garnered national attention as the balance of power in the upper house of Congress. It being the only debate is the reason why I decided to take this one live. Instead of the Barnes for tonight's debate. Johnson debate. Chief Justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court, Sherry Beasley, is the nominee for the Democrats. Judge Beasley was the first African American woman to lead the state's highest court. She has also served in the North Carolina Court of Appeals and has served as a district court judge in Cumberland County. She's facing off for Republican nominee Ted Budd. Representative Budd has represented the 13th District of the North Carolina in the U.S. Congress since 2017. He's also been a farmer and owns a gun store in Rural Hall. It is good to see both of you. Thank you so Thank much you for too. being here tonight and be a part of this Thanks debate. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Those, those are hella Republican bona fides. The rules for tonight's debate. Each candidate will have seconds to answer the question. Then each will have 30 seconds for rebuttal. We will alternate who answers each question first, and then at the end, each candidate will have 90 seconds for a closing statement. Now, the order for questions was determined by a coin flip. Judge Beasley won the toss, which means the first question will go to her. In order to make sure no one gets the first and last word, the final closing statement will go to Representative Bud. With that, let's debate. Good to see both of you again. Thank you so much. The broad question first is on inflation. What are your solutions to help inflation, gas prices, grocery prices, and other economic issues we have and are facing as potential recession looms in the months ahead? With each of you, I want to dig a little deeper. The bow tie wins this debate already. Your opponent, 
has essentially said you are rubber stamp for Biden policies. Would you have voted for all the stimulus and spending packages proposed by the Biden administration? Does the Biden administration share in any blame for these inflation issues? And again, what solutions do you propose? Your 90 seconds starts now. You know, Tim, prices are too high and North Carolinians are hurting. They are feeling everything from pain at the pump to the cost of prescription drugs and everything in between. We live in the greatest country in the world. And people shouldn't have to try to decide between buying groceries and school supplies and high-priced medications. This is our top economic issue. But it doesn't have to be this way. Congress really can take steps to lower prices. And we know that uh, we need to lower drug prices. And here in America, we pay more for prescription drugs than anywhere else in the country. And we also know that we absolutely must make sure that corporations are not price gouging. And so we know that corporations are seeing 70-year record profits uh, and using that as a, as, a, as a cover for inflation and jacking up prices. And Congress can stop that. But Congressman Ted Budd hasn't stopped that, and in fact, he's actually helping it. I mean, he's the one who's not, uh, he's voted against uh, lowering drug prices and gas prices while taking corporate PAC money from oil and drug companies. And so it is important that we work very hard and fight hard to lower uh, costs, because that's exactly what everybody here wants in North Carolina. Congressman Budd has not been doing that. He's just, not working for us. Just quickly following up, would you have voted for the stimulus and spending packages proposed by the Biden administration if you were in Congress? You know, I can tell you that when we were in the middle of a pandemic and our economy was about to tank, the, the stimulus really did help a whole lot of folks here in North Carolina. It made the difference for their lives. And does the Biden administration share any blame? Well, do remember, Mr. Balls, she is a conservative Democrat, but this is a trending red state. Congress could work a whole lot harder to make sure uh, that prices are being lowered. And Congressman Bud has been there for six years, and so he's partly to blame as well. All right, thank you very much. Mr. Budd, you have blamed the Biden administration. However, economists I've talked to say it was both Trump and Biden spending and uh, stimulus proposals that contributed. In fact, in December 2020, before Donald Trump left office, a $900 billion COVID relief bill was approved by a 92 to 6 vote in the Senate and 350 margin in the House and signed by President Trump. How is this not a bipartisan problem? And again, what do you propose to help with these economic issues? When it goes back to your first question, Tam, and again, thank you for having us. Ms. Beasley, thank you for being here tonight for this uh, spirited conversation. I think about what I've seen in traveling all around all 100 counties. And I think about the secretary that I talked to who is a year away. Now she's probably about six months away from her retirement. And she's wondering if she can she afford gas in her car to get to her job to get to her retirement. Just a month ago, parents were buying back to school clothes. And they're wondering, is it, are they going to be able to afford back-to-school clothes, gas in their car, or are they going to pay their power bill this week? Those are choices that we shouldn't have to make, Tim. But what is inflation? You've got to go back to the root of it. It's too much money chasing too few goods. I and mean, if we think about what Milton Friedman, the economist, would say. And so we just have too much money. It's starting in April of 2021 under Joe Biden. When we had the, the crux of, of the pandemic, the early pandemic, we needed that. We needed it for the Paycheck uh, Protection Act. We needed it for other things to make sure our economy would, would stay alive. But Joe Biden went way too far with the American Rescue Plan. That was a $2 trillion unnecessary, unnecessary spending plan. So I would be against that. And your earlier question was, what do we need to do? Well, we need to encourage energy, not shut down the Keystone Pipeline like Joe Biden did. We need to encourage work 
and make sure that we have enough folks that go back into the workforce, and we need to stop over-regulating. Those are things that are keeping the goods from being produced and is what is part of what is driving up uh, costs right now, driving up inflation. Just quick follow-up. You said early 2020 of the Biden administration. I mentioned December 2020 that was passed by many of your colleagues on the Republican side, too. There is no blame for Republicans in this at all? I believe that was a bipartisan package. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But remember what happened with the early COVID relief. That was passed unanimously, much of that. The four, $4 trillion or early on spending package. I mean, it was, these were big packages that were needed. We didn't know what we had with early COVID. Uh, but now that we do, we realize that's largely behind us. And the unnecessary spending from the Biden is what's tipped us over the edge. Uh, it, it, we needed it early on, but we don't need it now. And now Joe Biden continues to spend trillions and trillions of dollars. And going back to Milton Friedman, that's too much money chasing too few goods. And that's leading to the inflation that we have today. Okay, time for oh, Freeman. 30 seconds for you, Ms. Beasley. You know, Congressman Bud is, um, is talking about what he's done, but he's not done anything because the reality is he's had every opportunity to vote against lowering gas prices. And he voted vote for lowering gas prices. He voted against it. And he did that at a time when he took corporate PAC money from Big Oil. He voted against lowering the cost of prescription drugs while also taking corporate PAC money from Big Pharma. He's had every opportunity to stand for North Carolinians and he's failed to do that. All right, Mr. Budd, uh, 30 seconds to you for rebuttal. What we really need to do is stop the bickering and we need to get back to encouraging energy because on day one, Joe Biden has shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Not only that, but that killed 10,000 jobs and numerous more after that. I'm going to take a hit every time he uh, says Keystone. Encourage people not to go back into the workforce and they, want, they don't want to solve these problems. They just want to scare people. Uh, and the overregulation, which people want to go out, they want to take a risk, they want to start a new business. The Biden administration has made it hard whether it's small businesses in downtowns or whether it's out on family farms. He's done everything to make it hard, and Sherry Beasley would be a rubber stamp for those policies. Okay, let's go to question number two. One of the other big issues in this campaign and nationally is abortion at the U.S. Supreme Court's decision this year. Just a reminder, North Carolina currently has a ban in most cases after 20 weeks. The broad question, what parameters around abortion do you support? Mr. Budd, you have signed on to the federal bill, which would create a national ban in most cases after 15 weeks. However, your opponent has accused you of supporting an absolute ban on abortion, even in the cases of rape, incest, or risk to a mother's life. What would your ideal law look like? 90 seconds. Thank you, Tim. Uh, again, I've always been pro-life long before I was even in Congress, and I've been consistently there. But at the same time, I've always been about protecting the life of the mother. And I want to save as many unborn lives as possible. And Tim, I, I hope you take time to dive into how extreme my opponent, Miss Beasley, is when it comes to abortion. Uh, she, they have, uh, the Democrats have signed on to the Women's Health Protection Act, the most extreme bill in legislative history, completely out of standards with anywhere in the developed world. But this is awful. But the things that I support uh, are saving unborn lives. And uh, I just think that my opponent is up for abortion. She's, she's a supporter of abortion at any time for any reason, all the way up, Tim, until the moment of birth. This is the same thing Master said last night. And I think if you check with North Carolinians, you pulled the broad spectrum of North Carolinians, that's wildly out of step with where they are. So let me go back and ask you then. You are signed on to the 15-week ban, but she's accused you of supporting a total ban with no exceptions. Would you uh, support that? So obviously her, her position doesn't make sense. Because if the Democrats are going to sign on for the most radical bill in history, those are the extremists, the Democrats, that she wants to be a rubber stamp for. So when they put forth the Women's Health Protection Act, which is an awful bill, 
then I'm going to counter it. But beyond that, I just want to save unborn lives. I want to protect lives. I want to protect the life of the mother. But my opponent, Ms. Beasley, has been a rubber stamp for Joe Biden's policies, and she would be a rubber stamp for his policies in the U.S. Senate. I just want to be clear again. The fifth-week ban is what you signed on to, but would you support a total ban with no exceptions if that was on the table? I've always been clear about protecting the life of the mother, but the bill that you're referring to is about responding to the most radical bill in legislative history, and that's the women's, the misnamed Women's Health Protection Act. Ms. Beasley, Republicans have accused Democrats of supporting abortion up until birth. What it do, baby? Thank you for being a freaking follower. set forth by Roe. Just to be clear for our viewers who might not be sure exactly what that means, what would your ideal law in terms of weeks allowed and exceptions, and do you think it should be codified nationally? 90 seconds. You know, Tim, uh, I think the fundamental question really is, who makes the decision for a woman and her family? Is it you and your doctor? Or is it politicians up in Washington? I know, having been a former judge and chief justice, that women have a constitutionally protected right to make this decision for themselves, with their physician, with free from government interference. And Congressman Budd has been very clear and has said that he supports and is leading the charge on an absolute ban on abortion, without exceptions for rape, incest, or risk to a mother's health. And so that means that for women who have been sexually assaulted, they will be forced to carry the pregnancy to term. And for women who have ectopic pregnancies or septic uteruses or miscarriages that their bodies won't release, it means that they will not be able to get the life-saving treatment that they need, which is an abortion, and that it, and means that women will die. And that's unacceptable. I will support the parameters outlined in Roe versus Wade, which provide for protections and restrictions on abortion later in pregnancy and allow them only in the most severe cases, for instance, when a woman's life is at risk. And so I will fight to make sure that Roe versus Wade becomes the law of the land. It is the right thing to do, and women deserve that kind of freedom and protection. So just to follow up. She, uh, she nailed that after flopping pretty hard on inflation. Up until birth and late-term abortions. How do you respond to that specifically? No, I have been very clear. I support the Roe versus Wade framework which allows for protections and restrictions on abortion later in pregnancy so that when abortion happens later in pregnancy, that it only happens when there are serious problems, like when the mother's life is at risk. That's what Roe tells us. All right, rebuttals. Mr. Budd, 30 seconds. Yeah, thank you. Again, I do prefer that this belongs to the states. I think our Supreme Court actually sent it back there. But if the Democrats, including what Ms. Beasley would clearly support, is the most extreme bill in history when it comes to, uh, when it comes to abortion rights, that's the Women's Health Protection Act. If they're going to do that, I'm going to counter that federally. But at the same time, I do believe it belongs to the states. I would clarify that it's, it's not enumerated in the Constitution. Now, it may be dealt with, and it has been dealt with in the Supreme Court, but as a judge, I believe she should know that. But she's been very unclear, uh, Tim, that, uh, you know, about her previous uh, statements, that she believes in abortion at any time for any reason, all the way up until the moment of birth. Okay, and Tim, she wants, that up, at, she wants that at taxpayer expense. Ms. Beasley, 30 seconds. Whoa! Roe does not say that. Uh, Roe is very clear, and I've been very clear, that I believe in the standards as outlined in Roe with protections and restrictions. Roe has restrictions for, for late-term uh, abortions. 
but it happens when women's health is at risk. The bottom line is Congressman Bud wants to be in between a woman and her doctor, and there is no place in the exam room for Congressman Bud. All right, let's move uh, on. That was a good line. Clearly, the names Biden and Trump have played prominent roles in this campaign. So the next question is centered on the Biden-Trump factor in this race. Ms. Beasley, your opponent has spent a big chunk of time on the campaign trail tying you to President Biden and his policies. Republicans have also criticized you for not appearing with Biden administration officials during North Carolina visits, including Vice President Harris. Are you avoiding appearing with them? Do you want President Biden to campaign for you in North Carolina? And would you be a rubber stamp for the Biden administration? <laughs> you know, um, I'm very grateful and very honored to serve the folks here in North Carolina for uh, over 30 years as public defender and as judge and chief justice of the Supreme Court of North Carolina. And I've spent my years in service upholding the rule of law and uh, respecting the Constitution. And this is foundational, not only as who we are as Americans, but what we expect in our judges, but also what we expect in our senators. I, my role has been that of a judge. What I know, though, is that I'm asking North Carolinians to, to elect me as the next United States Senator here in North Carolina. And yes, uh, President Biden has been to North Carolina. These have all been official visits. We're glad when the president comes here to visit. We want him to hear about the challenges here in North Carolina and about the successes and to meet wonderful people uh, who are here. Um, I, I, it's, it's wrong to align me with anybody unless I specifically say what my positions are. And I'm glad to talk about my positions because my positions really do support people here in North Carolina. And as I've spoken with folks all across this state, they want to know that the next senator is going to fight hard to lower costs, that she will keep us safe, and that she will stand for what's right and call out what's wrong and lead courageously. And that's exactly what I commit to doing. President Biden called tonight and said he wanted to come. I think perhaps she was nervous early on. She's kind of settled down. I mean, uh, President Biden is certainly welcome to be here. He is our president, and he should know what's happening here in North Carolina. We want him to know and meet folks and hear from folks here uh, in the state. But would you want to be with him for that visit? You know, if it's an official visit, we'll just have to see if, <laughs> if that's something that's if we're available. But I'm telling you that, you know, we want him here in the state listening to folks and hearing from the same folks I'm talking to about what we really need here in the state. Right, Give us a let's go, Brandon. That'll satisfy the moderator. Donald Trump. Political scientists have argued that's a double-edged sword. Good for the base, but dangerous with unaffiliated voters. I got a question from a Republican who always voted that way, but did not vote for Trump in 2020, and wants to know why he should support you if you're endorsed by Donald Trump. What do you tell that person, other unaffiliated voters, who are concerned about your connection to him? 90 seconds. Thank you. Very fair question. Look, let's remember that President Trump won North Carolina twice. And uh, let's remember what the economy was like, other than this Biden uh, perhaps even Beasley, uh, if she were to win an economy, where we have 40-year inflation. Under President Trump, we had 1.4% inflation. We had record low unemployment for, and 50-year unemployment, low unemployment for women, for people of color, for Hispanics. Those that are entering the workforce were the fastest growing wages in you history. You mean dank, Brandon. Those are phenomenal things. Dank, so Brandon. Many of us would like to go back to, to much of that. Uh, including that 1.4% inflation. But I tell people that my style is distinctly North Carolinian. And I was born here in North Carolina, educated in state schools and public high schools, so I'm a, a true North Carolinian through and through, and that's my style. But what President Trump endorsed me for 
And I don't run away from that, like my opponent may be running away from Joe Biden, even though she is a rubber stamp for his policies and would be a rubber stamp for him. He endorsed me because I'm an America first candidate, and I believe in the things that led to that 1.4% inflation, that led, led to a record low unemployment for women, for people of color, for Hispanics. So um, again, he had a lot of wins here in this state, including for our economy, including for those at the bottom of the economic pyramid. Quick follow-up, do you think Mr. Trump should run for president in 2024? I'm going to exclusively focus on this one right now. I've got 32 days. We have 32 days on this one. Let's get on the other side of this, and let's have that conversation then. Ms. Beasley, a rebuttal for 30 seconds? You know, uh, President Trump clearly uh, represents the most extremist uh, policies and ideology. And when, we, when he came to, to Wilmington, he called me a Marxist liberal, which um, <laughs> is defying. But the reality is... Congressman Bud has aligned himself with somebody who is truly extremist uh, in, in, in this race, and that's a reflection on him. And so folks need to be reminded of that as they're thinking about the clear choice that can be made here in this race. To be fair, I asked the same question. Do you think President Biden should run again in 2024? You know, I don't think he's going to ask me, um, and so we'll see what happens. All right, Mr. Bud, rebuttal for 30 seconds. I say no to both. President Trump's endorsement, but he's endorsing me for the things that led to record low unemployment. Uh, he's endorsing me for the things that led to 1.4% inflation. And while my opponent runs away from Joe Biden, she has, not, while not even being in office, she has endorsed his policies, the trillions of spending, which have led to 40-year inflation, over 8%. And perhaps it's growing now that energy costs seem to be on the rise again. So it's tragic uh, what Biden has done. The policies that Sherry Beasley support are the policies that Joe Biden are doubling down on right now in our country. Okay, let's go to our next question. This is on election integrity. The 2020 election remains a topic in the 2022 election. I mean, that talking point might have been salient, you know, a month ago. Biden's sitting pretty uh, uh, nice right now. Unequivocally, if you will accept the results of this election. Poll numbers going up. He's got several wins under his belt. cause you to not accept the results. Mr. Budd, a New York Times article says your campaign declined to say if you would uphold the results. And days later, you said, why wouldn't I? So once and for all, will you accept the results of the election? And if your answer is not yes, what circumstances would cause you concern? Well, look, I look at the North Carolina GOP, the state party. They've done a tremendous amount of things to uh, improve voter integrity for the state. And that benefits both sides, because whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, we need institutions that we can trust. So, Tim, I like to have this rule of thumb that I believe that it should be easy to vote. I think we all could agree on that. Easy to vote, but hard to cheat. So I'll use the same answer. I mean, I can clarify if you'd like, but why wouldn't I? Unless somebody has some other ideas, why wouldn't I accept the results of the 2022 election? So, so yes. Yeah, I mean, I would, of course. Okay. Is Joe Biden the legitimately elected president of the United States? I don't like what Joe Biden's doing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's leading to this record un un unemployment. Uh, this unemployment is leading to record inflation. But he is the president, and um, unfortunately, he's destroying our country. He's got 70 percent of the people. Unemployment. I don't like what he's doing, but he is the president. Do you stand by your vote not to certify the 2020 presidential electoral college vote for now President Biden? The core of that vote. The core of that vote. Them was to inspire more debate because I think de debate is healthy for democracy. So that's what it led to. We didn't have the votes to overturn it, but of course, having the debate was a healthy thing, and um, I do stand by that vote. 
All right, Ms. Beasley, the Bud campaign has accused you of not accepting the 2020 results in your own chief justice race that was decided by just 401 votes by filing protests alleging thousands... These are the exact questions that Blake Masters and Mark Kelly were asked last night. It's almost the exact same script. I will accept the 2022 results, and it is outrageous to compare Congressman Bud's uh, denial of this 2020 election to my request for a free and fair recount and legal recount to make sure that every single vote was counted. The reality is, at, in 2020, for the election, Congressman Bud said, just patriots standing up. I mean, that's what he called the mob that stormed the Capitol, that injured and killed hundreds of police officers and left Americans for dead. And with, after all of the violence, for him, it was just, just patriots standing up. And he refused to vote to certify the 2020 elections and even voted against securing and protecting future elections. He continues to spread the big lie of the 2020 elections. And you can see he's still waffling about whether or not he's going to accept the elections for this race. The reality is, I've been a former judge, and the reality is, you know, we know that elections are fair and are administered fair here in North Carolina, and there's no real cause for concern. It's important to follow the Constitution, important to follow the rule of law. What I asked for the last time was a fair legal recount, and once we saw the results, we were glad to concede. That's different what happened this time with Congressman Budd, and that kind of election denial really is dangerous for this country. Mr. Budd, a 30-second rebuttal, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, there's a bit of a context challenge here because uh, I have denounced violence uh, from day one, whether it's at Washington, D.C., or whether it's the, the riots that my opponent was encouraging all across in our state and all across our country in 2020. So I believe whether it's in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol or whether it's in downtown Raleigh or downtown Charlotte, I'm going to denounce violence, and I would encourage my opponent to do the same thing and denounce the rioting. But, look, I'm going to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat, Tim. That's my rule. Justice Beasley? It is not the same moderator. The moderator last night was awesome. It is absolutely not true that I've been encouraging riots. I've served as a judge in North Carolina for 20, over 20 years, and I've upheld the rule of law. I would never encourage rioting, and Congressman Bud knows that. And so it's also important that we have a senator who's going to be willing to tell the truth. North Carolinians deserve the truth about all of these issues that are very important to them and for all of our lives. Okay, the next question will focus on immigration and the border. Ms. Beasley, how would you assess the situation on our southern border currently? NBC News reports the Biden White House is considering an emphasis on the immigration system after the midterms. So what is your specific plan on changes that you would support and you think Congress needs to pass? 90 seconds. You know, Washington has dropped the ball on immigration. And Republicans and Democrats agree that our immigration system needs fixing. And we must... It needs fixing. ...and reform the system. And we can pass policies that reflect our values to keep communities safe and build a strong economy and, and certainly make sure that we're upholding our American values in the American dream. But let's be clear... There are some folks who should not be in this country. And so reform means that we absolutely must secure the border. It also means that we should have make available to farmers 
visas so that they can have the agricultural help that they need, that they tell me that they need. And we also must have a clear pathway to citizenship for dreamers and for those who serve honorably in the military. But since Republicans and Democrats agree, why hasn't something been done? Because politicians like Congressman Bud are doing nothing to address this crisis. We need real solutions, and the folks who are being hurt are our small business people and our farmers, and they're the ones who are speaking with one vote's voice that we need solutions. And Congressman Bud has been in, in Congress for six years, and what makes us think he's going to do something in the next six? Would you assess the situation? There were no foreign policy uh, questions. We need immigration reform. Last night. And the border needs to be fixed. And we absolutely must secure the border. It is the right thing to do. And the only way to truly reform immigration is to secure the border. Is it a crisis? It, it is imperative. I mean, it's unfair to all of us. And it, that, that, the, that the border is not secure, and it's unfortunate that we see migrants and immigrants used as pawns in an issue where folks who've been elected need to sit down and come together and come to a solution. We have to secure the border, but, but speaking in the way of sending migrants here and there is not the way to solve this very critical issue that Congressman Budd has had every opportunity to address. Mr. Bud, you have made this a focal point in your campaign. I heard along the campaign trail. Now, they started last night in Arizona with immigration. As you called it. So what is your plan to help the situation, the border? And when would you consider it secure? Thanks, Tim. And I'd like to congratulate my uh, very worthy opponent on adopting uh, the concern for the uh, border. I've not heard that before. So what I've seen in multiple trips to the border is that we have had, since Joe Biden has been in office, and she's clearly supported his policies. We've had 3.5 million people come across the border illegally. Those are just the ones they've apprehended. The known gotaways, not including the unknowns, it's 500,000 individuals since Joe Biden has been in office. And about 80, and that number is growing. So what do you want if they've been apprehending them? They're not from Mexico. They're from some of the 200 and some of the most dangerous countries around the world. So when I was down there, and I was in the pickup truck with the off-duty Border Patrol agents, who, by the way, the National Border Patrol Council, they endorsed me because they know that I support... Like, seriously, them. if we're apprehending a record number of illegal immigrants that isn't the border secure... Idle construction equipment just sitting there since Biden had been inaugurated. It stopped. And they said, yeah, we need to finish the wall. And by the way, they had just arrested two cartel members coming across. And they said, we need to, we need to build this wall, but what we really need is an administration that has our back. And right now, they said, we don't have an administration that has our back. So whether it's law enforcement there or whether it's law enforcement here, I want to have their back. That's why they endorsed me. We can know, Tim, because what happened in California when they put up a wall around San Diego, the illegal crossings were over, the reduction was over 90%, Tim. So that's what we need to do. Are you still in support of the Trump wall? Huh? Look, I don't care what you call it, but I am in support of a wall. It is not the whole solution, but it is a large part of the solution. I'm also, rather than having 87,000 IRS agents, which my opponent would, would support uh, through, the, uh, uh, through the recent legislation, uh, this so-called Green New Deal or the in, in, uh, Inflation Recovery Act or Inflation, Inflation Reduction Act, that's got 87,000 IRS agents. I think we need 87,000 more border agents. So yes, we need a wall. Yes, we need more border agents. And yes, we need technology. It's going to take all of it. And it's going to take an administration, Tim, that has law enforcement's back at the border.
Ms. Beasley, rebuttal for 30 seconds. You know, um, the, the, the bottom line is that actions speak louder than words. And Congressman Butt has done nothing on this issue to, to, to work across the aisle to try to make this fixed. We must secure the border. But the reality is he's all talking about IRS agents when the bottom line on that is that his company, his family's company, after stiffing farmers to the tune of more than $50 million, failed to pay their taxes. I mean, that's not right. Mr. Budd, 30-second rebuttal. No, look, I think she's referring to a publicly traded company that I never even worked for. So obviously she's desperate for some facts, and perhaps she should talk with her fact checkers on her own team. But look, I've always supported law enforcement, and I am talking about IRS agents because I think that is a mispriority. We need to have 87,000 more border agents at our border. And that would probably be a good start because, yes, we need to finish the wall. And when we put up legislation, we would get zero Democrat support. I am, I've got a long history of working across the aisle. And I would love to do that on issues with the border because to get big things done, I would love to be able to work across the aisle and have some reasonable folks. And there's a few on the other side that we can still work with. All right, Tim, this myth about the IRS agents has already been debunked. It is absolutely not true. It's not been a part of any legislation. All right, let's go to the next question. This one just <laughs> came up yesterday. I, it is kind of true, but it needs context. Marijuana possession under federal law, urging governors to do the same, and he's also asking officials to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Do you agree with this decision, and what is your ideal Not law? high enough for this shit. ...of marijuana in any form, if at all. Mr. Budd, we start with you on this one. 90 seconds. Look, I'm not a supporter of legalization, especially for recreational marijuana. If someone can prove to me that there is a medical case uh, for marijuana, we can certainly have that discussion. But what you see with this, Tim, is just some of the most awful ideas, because the conversation we just had a moment ago was about illegal drugs, human trafficking coming across our borders as sent by the, the cartel. And they're making money hand over fist at the expense of Americans, especially Men, young men, 18 to 45 years old, that are dying because of what's coming across our border. I live in Davie County. You're going to say fentanyl. Store in Iredell County. In one traffic stop, there was enough fentanyl in that stop to kill 250,000 people. Why would our president, who my opponent would be a complete rubber stamp for, why would our president want more drugs to be coming across our border? I think that is a bad message. It sends a bad message to our children. So you don't support the, the pardoning these individuals and changing the law at all? I think it's probably outside of his constitutional authority, and I think it sends a very bad message to our children. And why would you want to give amnesty to those who have broken our laws and encourage even more law-breaking and encourage even more drugs and perhaps even embolden the cartels even more? I think it's bad all around. Ms. Beasley, same question to you. You know, I, I've not seen a full report of what the president intends, but I think it's worth looking at for sure. And, and I know that, um, that, that one of the ways in which um, he's, as, as I think he, I understand it, is that he's talking about low-level offenses of marijuana, that he's not talking about fentanyl. Uh, but, but, you know, Congressman Budd has had every opportunity to fund law enforcement and and, and to the tune of more than $32 million. And part of that would have been addressing the opioid crisis. And so he's, there's an opportunity to have done that. But we, I certainly have been very clear, even as the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, that I support legalizing cannabis. There is a great opportunity as we think about ways in which to reform the criminal justice system to allow to address for disparities in sentencing and also to get people back to work. 
um, a lot of employers right here in North Carolina, to include with the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce, want to know that workers can get back to work. They want folks to, to they don't want criminals. They want folks who have low levels, uh, low offenses to be able to get back to work. And so I certainly support that. I also know that there's a real opportunity for our farmers to be able to diversify their crops. And so there are a whole host of reasons that legalizing cannabis uh, can work very well here in North Carolina. Do you mean medicinal, recreational, or both? Yes. Yes to both. Yes. Okay. Mr. Yes. Three seconds for rebuttal. I think that sends a horrible message to our young people. One of the inflationary aspects, one of the things that's driving inflation right now, Tim, is a worker shortage. We need more people. That's why we have solutions like H2A to bring more people here to serve on and help on our farms. Uh, very important people. But we need people to drive trucks. We need people to work in warehouses. We need people to be the next generation of folks that can make this country great again. But one of the things we're seeing is so many of them can't even pass a drug test. When a party wants to eliminate and legalize pot, at the same time they're trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to legalize uh, recreational marijuana and encourage that for our young people. I think that's completely uh, uh, the wrong direction. Ms. Beasley, thirty seconds if you'd like it. You're stupid. You know, it's cannabis is legal in lots of states. And we have to think about where we are as a country and as a society. It is important for people to be able to get back to work. Um, there are a host of reasons why we should legalize cannabis. Um, I look forward to seeing more about this uh, proposed legislation, uh, proposed uh, rule by the, by the president. But it is important that we stand firm uh, in understanding the benefits of le legalizing cannabis and what it can do here in North Carolina. All right, thank you very much. Uh, you alluded to part of this next question in one of your last answers. Our next question is going to focus on a couple of the ads that our viewers are seeing a lot of. So I wanted to give both of you the opportunity to respond uh, to some oh, of Oh, shit. Is this the ad you were talking about, Sassy? Offenders with multiple offenses should not be required to have lifelong GPS monitoring. Another case where a murderer's case was vacated. Why are those ads unfair and incorrect? Well, I've not seen those, but I've certainly heard about them. And uh, the reality is um, Congressman Budd and his national Republican allies are spending millions of dollars uh, to attack my judicial record. And it is a distort distortion. We know that some of the ads came down earlier on because they were just completely not true. And it's a sense of desperation uh, to, to spend that kind of money and to make up these kinds of stories when I guess they know we really can win this race and they can lose. But it, it seems to me that the voters here in North Carolina really do care a whole lot about integrity. And they want to know that the next senator is going to be truthful with them about what's happening. And uh, these ads are not true. And it's a real distortion and a real, I think, disservice to folks here in North Carolina. My ad in particular around biotech is true about Congressman Bud's family uh, that owned a seed company and they left farmers and other folks holding the bag in the amount of more than 50 million dollars while taking 10 million dollars for themselves and filing bankruptcy thereafter well that's wrong and that is an issue of integrity and North Carolinians deserve better than that and so I know that what Congressman Budd is doing is not working for North Carolina Mr. Budd, uh, the part I was going to talk to you, she just said, so I won't say that. I'll just let you start with your 90 seconds. Look, I think she's talking about some publicly traded company in the late 90s, early 2000s that I never even worked for. So perhaps she should do a little more homework. But what I do know that she has in, you know, thrown out indictments for sex offenders. She's defended cop killers. But look, don't take my word for it. Take Based. law enforcement organizations, which at one point, Tim, 
They had supported, they had supported uh, Ms. Beasley, but now they have supported me. The North Carolina Troopers Association once supported Ms. Beasley, and now they're supporting me. The Police Benevolent Association once supported Ms. Beasley, and now they're supporting me. Stop! I can only get so erect! They once supported Miss Beasley, and now they're supporting me. So I would just like to say, don't take my word for it. If she has a trust... You sold me on her! Campaign season. Campaigns are tough. I get it. But at the same time, we want to be truthful. So why don't we trust these organizations, which really know Miss Beasley, and they know me, and they decided to endorse me. Miss Beasley, 30 seconds for rebuttal. This is not just some publicly traded company. This is a bud family company and, and he is and an election denier yes to renounce uh, responsibility for what happens when people are suffering and left holding the bag is just absolutely wrong i'm very grateful that i've been endorsed by sheriffs and law enforcement officers all across the state many of whom i worked with over the years as a judge uh holding uh, violent offenders accountable and keeping our community safe and so these are trustworthy relationships and I'm very thankful that we're in a place where we're going to stand on what's really important for folks here in North Carolina, and we're also going to stand on the truth. Okay, thank you, Mr. Budd. 30 seconds. Look, again, I would go back to those that know Ms. Beasley and those that know me. Uh, the North Carolina Fraternal Order of Police, the Police Benevolent Association, the North Carolina Troopers Association. Those are ones that had once endorsed her. And by and large, these are statewide organizations, and now they're supporting me. So I encourage uh, your viewers to go out to their website and take a look at why they supported me. Read their press releases. Look at their history with Miss Beasley, including uh, throwing out indictments for sex offenders and defending cop killers. Again, I would take their word for it and not Miss Beasley's. This leads into our next question about crime and guns, something that we also heard about on the campaign trail a lot. Mr. Bud, you have talked extensively on the campaign trail about crime, how neighborhoods have turned to battlefields, as you called it, on the campaign trail. So what is your plan to combat that? Just another day in mass shooting USA. Well, the goal with firearms is to protect our Second Amendment while keeping them out of the hands of dangerous individuals, whether it's those with criminal backgrounds or criminal intent, uh, or if they're under a Form 50B, uh, or they have been mentally adjudicated. We have to keep firearms out of the hands of those. So, uh, again, I think that's what we need to do there. But with crime, I don't connect it just to what's happening in our neighborhoods. I connect it to the border as well. Because what law enforcement is telling me, Tim, is that 72 hours from crossing our border, that fentanyl, those drugs, those cartel members, they're right here in our neighborhoods. Sheriffs, law enforcement individuals are coming. They're coming onesies, twosies. I've heard this in multiple places, said slightly different ways, Tim. And they say that every single county in North Carolina is now a border county because of Joe Biden's policies. And those policies, those are policies that Ms. Beasley would support, and that leads to the chaos at the border, that leads to the chaos in our neighborhood. We're seeing crime spikes in some areas of 60%. We've got to treat cops like the heroes that they are. We can't have defunding like my opponent has done fundraising with the leader of the defund the uh, police movement. That sends a bad signal to our law enforcement. And Tim, perhaps that's one reason why organizations which once knew her, now they know her even better, and now they're supporting me. Ms. Beasley, um, he has said you will defund the police. I know in other things I've read that you have said you will not. Your opponent also uh, continues to call you soft on crime. You did talk about gun laws that you'd like to see changed on a campaign trail when I was out with you. Um, so what are some of those? 90 seconds. You know, uh, I have served as a judge for 
two decades and as Chief Justice, I have worked with law enforcement. I've held violent offenders accountable. My cases have been upheld to 98%, and I created the first human trafficking drug court in North Carolina, uh, uh, human trafficking court here in North Carolina. The first thing we absolutely must do is fund the police. I do not support in defunding the police. I don't raise money with anybody who is supporting defund the police. We must fund the police to make sure that they have the resources that they need to keep themselves and our community safe. We also must invest in community-based violence intervention programs to stop the cycle of violence. Congressman Bud, who talks about being a friend of the police, on four separate occasions voted against funding for police here in North Carolina to the tune of more than $32 million. And talking about crime, I mean, the folks who were riding the Capitol, who stormed and endangered hundreds of law enforcement officers who were injured and killed, I mean, Congressman Bud is really all talk. He's not trying to keep us safe. He's just talking. Actions really do speak louder than words, and Congressman Bud is not working for North Carolina. She called him Congresswoman Bud, didn't she? I've been very clear to denounce violence in all its forms. Based. Whether it's burning in just... Misgender that fucker on purpose. In riots, or whether it's in Washington, D.C. We don't want any of it, and we think we need... We believe that... I believe that we need justice everywhere. Make them care about pronouns. Which is the origin of your question? We need to protect the Second Amendment while keeping firearms out of the hands of dangerous individuals. And I'll also add that one thing I did was support Fixed NICS, which is the National Instant Criminal Background Check Service that I voted and to fund more to upgrade the database so that we know who the dangerous folks are, including those that are mentally adjudicated, and we keep them out. It is to make Republicans care about pronouns. And did you want gun reform changes? You know, I certainly agree with uh, the bipartisan legislation that was passed on gun safety. It's a great start, and we do have to do more. Senators Burr and Tillis and law enforcement supported this legislation, and Congressman Bud voted against it. He calls police officers heroes, and they really are. But he's also voted against funding them. And did he think that the heroes at the Capitol who were injured and, and killed by this mob that he called patriots were those... Are law enforcement officers heroes, and did they also deserve the protection and the funding? Congressman Bud really does not speak consistently with how he acts. All right, let's go to the next question. The military is obviously part of the fabric here of North Carolina, so I want to ask a foreign affairs question, especially with news last night out of Washington. We have the ongoing war in Ukraine. Last night, President Biden referring to Russia, saying the risk of nuclear Armageddon is the highest since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Trouble continues with China, and just this week, North Korea sent a missile over Japan. What concerns you the most about foreign affairs at the moment, and what should the United States be doing about it, if anything? Ms. Beasley, we'll start with you. You know, uh, my husband, Kurt, and I raised our twin sons uh, in Fayetteville at Fort Bragg and in the neighborhoods of Fort Bragg. And we have lots of friends and been in communities with military families and know the sacrifices that they make and that their the service members make, that their families make, and the impact that it has on our communities. I'm so deeply sorry about the atrocities that we are seeing in Ukraine and how those folks over there are suffering, and it is just wrong. I know it's really important that we continue to stand with our allies. It's important to continue to, uh, to, to, to impress these sanctions on Russia and hold them accountable. We cannot 
go, we cannot have nuclear war. We just can't. And that's why it's important that this country remain the leader of the world. That's why it's important that we uh, hold Russia accountable. That's why it's important that uh, we make sure that China is accountable for its human rights violations, but also keep a watch on what's happening with them on their nuclear efforts and every other state or non-state across the world. It is imperative that our uh, national security folks uh, keep us advised of what's happening because we really have to keep abreast whether we're talking about Iran or anywhere else. I mean, so much of the national security and global security really does rely on what we do here in North Carolina. Do you agree with the president's assessment that this is the closest to nuclear Armageddon since the Cuban Missile Crisis? Well, these are certainly some very difficult times for Ukraine and for other parts of the world. And what I do know is that uh, we've got to be steadfast. We've got to stand with our allies. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be serious. We've got to be tough. And we do have to make sure that we're creating policies uh, that don't sacrifice who we are and, and, and jeopardize our own national security. Uh, Congressman Bud talks a whole lot about, about national security, but he's done nothing. I mean, he praises Putin, one who's putting Ukraine in danger, and it's just wrong. Mr. Bud, your 90 seconds. So we have six major installations here. It's the second largest industry in our state. It's so important to us, but beyond that, we need American strength to prevent these problems so that Joe Biden on a bad night doesn't make more foolish and irresponsible comments like he did just the other night, if not last night. This started back on, in Afghanistan man. about 13 or 14 months ago, and our hearts were broken when we, Americans, we lost 13 Marines because of Joe Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. And what that did, Tim, is it signaled to the world that America was not going to be strong. It was going to be weak. And so not only did that cause problems in Ukraine, in Russia, that caused problems with Iran, that caused problems with North Korea, testing an uh, uh, intermediate-range missile uh, out into the sea, uh, that caused problems with China being aggressive and saber-rattling uh, in the South China Sea towards Taiwan. So the problems with being weak, as Biden is, and as Ms. Beasley would double down on those policies of Joe Biden, that leads to these other problems. So these things should have never, ever happened. And I lay them at the feet of an irresponsible, perhaps even incompetent Joe Biden for endangering us, even with his comments last night, Tim. So you, I believe you called them foolish. So you don't agree with it. What his happened last night? I don't. And even if he thought it, those are things to keep to oneself and you, you, you work to prevent it. But again, you don't need to make comments and loose comments like that. You need to be very careful as president or as the next U.S. Senator with how you speak about international relationships. Ms. Beasley, if you want 30 seconds, a rebuttal. You know, the signal to the world actually came under President Trump as he was cozying up to Putin and knowing that Russia was interfering in our elections. And, and, and also, now we see what they've done to Ukraine, and they're a real threat to democracy. And so with Congressman Butt aligning... Oh, he just said it's the highest since Trump, the 62 crisis, which many experts have said. Democracy, that certainly is one of them. We, I mean, we can't trust Con Congressman Butt to do what he needs to do to keep us safe here in North Carolina. Mr. Butt, 30 seconds if you'd like it, sir. Well, thank you. Under the prior president... Again, not only was inflation at 1.4%, and you could also buy groceries and gas in the same week. Iran was in check. Putin and Russia were in check. China was in check. It was not being aggressive. And so was North Korea. So, again... What's your definition of aggressive? What you think about the prior president? We were much more stable, including the Abraham Accords in the Middle East. 
and building great relationships not only with the U.S. but those were arms deals uh, with with our ally Israel. So again, we need to be America strong where those good things happen, not Putin weak like Miss Beasley would be a rubber stamp for that leads to this international chaos that we're seeing right now. All right, we need to move on to the next question. It is health care, obviously. Health- they talk about them as if they were peace deals. They were arms deals. This question actually comes from several viewers. Got a number of questions about this. What do you support in terms of the future of health care, in terms of Medicare, the Medicaid gap, and broadly the future of the Affordable Care Act and affordability? For this one, we start with you, Mr. Budd. Again, I want to begin by fully supporting any scenario that leads to low-cost, high-quality health care for all individuals. And He's for single payer. Welcome, comrade. To Medicare. He wants to give that Medicare to all, which would take and destroy what our seniors have and what they work for and dilute it among everyone. And so it would destroy a workable system where we're in a country where 80% of individuals are getting their health care from, from a good, high-paying job with good benefits. That's where people need to get their, theirs from. Not some sort of Medicare for all scenario, but we need to have high innovation, transparency, Idiot. choice that leads to low cost and high quality for all individuals. And that's the framework that I would support, Tim. One other question I got specifically for the you. The rubber stamp thing just means voting with the party, which of, of course she will. That's been 10, 12 years. You know, the individual mandate has already been repealed, but I will look at anything that makes life better for us here in North Carolina. I get people being in the U.S. Congress that call my office each and every day and they say, how can I pay my Obamacare premiums that are going up and up and up when it's more than I and my family make? It's ridiculous. It hasn't worked. And anything that I'm going to do in regards to health care makes things better for us here in North Carolina when everything that Joe Biden, Obama before him has made life harder and worse for us here in North Carolina. Ms. Beasley, 90 seconds. You know, I'm a mom of twin sons, and we knew from the moment of their birth that they had medical conditions that uh, would require lots of surgeries and lots of treatments. And just imagine being a new mom and being happier than ever and uh, also very tired, but then fighting insurance companies. And we were fighting insurance companies, and we're still fighting insurance companies to make sure that our sons can get the care that they need, like so many other families in North Carolina. And it doesn't have to be that way. We certainly know that it's important to have the expanded ACA with a public option and allowing people to be able to have their pre-existing conditions covered, which Congressman Bud doesn't want. And and also making sure that Medicare really can negotiate drug prices down to include uh, covering uh, generics as well. We have over a million diabetics in North Carolina. And while some of them, to include some seniors, can be covered and, 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 and insulin capped, some folks can't. And everybody in North Carolina needs that. And so Congressman Bud has voted against capping the cost of insulin over four different times. I mean, we need a senator who understands that folks here in North Carolina really are struggling, that health care costs are way too expensive, and it really is dipping into people's everyday lives. We need somebody we can count on, and Congressman Bud has shown us that, he can, that we can't. Uh, viewer asked you, wanted to ask you specifically, too, if you support at all Medicare for All. I support expanding the ACA with a public option. I certainly hate that North Carolina is one of the 12 states in the country that has not expanded Medicaid. I hope we will do that. More than 500,000 people here in the state will have uh, medical coverage. But we need to do what's right by North Carolina. So is that a no for Medicare for all? It means that I support expanding the ACA with a public option. Mr. Budd, 30 seconds for rebuttal. 
Well, uh, that was quite a sidestep because the public option which she's speaking about and the way she's speaking about it would destroy the benefits for our seniors who've worked their whole lives to get there. And so, again, what? that's very, very dangerous because economically it would be unsustainable if the rest of the population was rolled into what our seniors rightly deserve. But when it comes to negotiating our drugs, not just insulin, including insulin, of course, because... We have so many friends that are needed that. Just, just so everyone is aware, insurance works better the more people that are in the pool. It disperses risk. About all drug prices, which would allow innovation to continue and not just single out a few winners and losers when it comes to drugs. Ms. Beasley, 30 seconds if you'd like it. You know, uh, folks need health care. I'm traveling all across all of our 100 counties, and folks talk about the pain at the pump, the cost of prescription drugs, the cost of health care, and folks need access to health care. It's the right thing to do. And so many people, particularly in our rural communities, cannot have access to health care, whether it is by proximity because they're driving an hour and a half or more from where they live to get it, or the cost. And this is cost prohibitive, and it's just not right. All right, so like time for one last full question. Uh, this one is uh, related uh, and somewhat. Uh, I also heard from seniors on the issue of Social Security and entitlement programs. What do you support in terms of the future of Social Security in light of the concern of the future of funding them? And what would you tell a young person in future generations about what they should expect? For this one, we start with you, Ms. Beasley. You know, I, I believe that seniors deserve to retire in dignity. Don't believe them, we're fucked. Folks have made quite a contribution to North Carolina. It's the right thing to do. We need to make sure that Social Security is stable, that we allow Medicare to also cover hearing and vision and dental, uh, and that these diabetics who are living here in North Carolina can have uh, their expenses capped. You know, Congressman Budd has been very clear that he, uh, that he is not going to at all adhere to these kinds of policies that people here in North Carolina expect. I mean, he's voted against lowering the, co lowering the cost of drugs while also uh, taking corporate PAC money from Big Pharma. And so, in my mind, that really does infringe on where people are and what they deserve. He also supports uh, destabilizing Social Security and probably getting rid of it, as well as Medicare. We need to make sure that seniors work hard, they can get what they've paid into, and they can get what they deserve. And if we have the right kind of Senate, and I'm asking folks to sort of vote for me, young people can count on that as well. So how do we go about that then? Well, we Preserving may, Social Security. No, we, we do. We need to do that, but we certainly can't. How would we, how would we, Tim, say to folks, you know, you've paid into this, you deserve to retire into dignity. We can do this. We can absolutely do it and make sure that folks have what they deserve. Secure Social Security in a way to make sure that folks who pay in can get what they need and what they deserve. Mr. Budd, your 90 seconds. Tim, thank you. I want to say to all those who are nearing receiving benefits or who are on benefits, and they've come up in these 100 counties when I'm out around the state and continuing to travel across the state. And they said, will you protect Social Security, Medicare, and benefits? And it's not just those who are on it, but those who are near to receiving it. So I want to vow to them that I have not, nor will I, touch those benefits for those who are receiving them or who are near to receiving them. But the most stabilizing thing, she talks about destabilizing them. Let me tell you what destabilizes Social Security. That's inflation, 40-year inflation that Joe Biden has given us. 8.3% when we had 1.4% under the prior administration. You got to hand it to him. He went back to his talking point. So the best thing we could do, let's get down inflation and let's get folks back to work 
and let's get folks paying into this so that not only will they be able to receive it, but our seniors who are receiving it, it will be safe for them for the duration of their life. So the worst thing that we could do is allow Joe Biden's policies to continue. And those are the policies that would keep going and be doubled down on and rubber stamped under Sherry Beasley. So those are the seniors. What about young people? What should they expect under your plan for Social Security? Well, see, let's get in. Let's get good paying jobs. That pays in. And not only does it stabilize it for the current seniors, who are probably their parents or perhaps their grandparents, but it would also be there for them. And they can protect that in the future. Do you support privatizing or getting rid of it or anything like she just said you would? That's never even been legislation that I've even looked at. Ms. Beasley, uh, 30 seconds for rebuttal. That's quite a switcheroo. Um, Congressman Bud does support uh, doing away with so Social Security, or at least capping it for a five-year term or whatever that is. But it's wrong. It's wrong for seniors. It's wrong for hardworking young people who are paying into the system and deserve to also be able to retire with dignity. But he's talking about destabilizing. You can't, on the one hand, say you want to stabilize, but then be taking corporate PAC money when you've had the opportunity to lower the cost of gas and drugs. I mean, that's disingenuous, and people can see through that. Mr. Bud, 30 seconds. Look, the, the worst thing we have right now is 40-year inflation from Joe Biden, and those are policies that Sherry Beasley would absolutely support. That throws the numbers off, so it not only... In the, just a few years, Social Security would be able to pay for those who are on it, it wouldn't be able to pay for those who are near term to receiving it. So what we need to do, we lower inflation, we roll back regulations, we grow the American economic engine. We've done this before, we can do it again. It's not gonna happen under Joe Biden and it won't happen under Ms. Beasley. Before we get to closing statements, uh, we don't have time for an answer on this, just a yes or no, because I got a lot of questions about the filibuster. Do you support keeping the filibuster or not? Great, it's on right now. Mr. It's ending luck right now. All right, there you go. It is time for closing statements. As we said in the rules, each candidate will have 90 seconds to make their closing statements. Ms. Beasley, you are first. Tim, thank you so much for having me, and thank you all so much for being here this evening. You know, my grandfather left Alabama with 76 cents in his pocket with a dream for his family to make sure we could have a better future. My husband, Kurt, and I are the very proud parents of twin sons who are working so hard for the American dream, like so many families here in North Carolina. And so what this is really about is you and your family and who will work for you. We need to have safe communities. We need to support our farmers and our small businesses. We need to make sure that there's an advocate for us fighting for our rights in the, in the Senate. And we also need to make sure that people can live a safe, healthy, and productive life. We need good paying jobs and we need a strong economy and we absolutely must lower costs. Congressman Bud won't do any of that because he hasn't. He hasn't voted to support law enforcement to keep our community safe. He won't support lowering the cost of prescription drugs or oil or any other costs. And he will not, absolutely will not support our farmers or protect our rights. North Carolina deserves a senator who's going to represent all of us. Who's going to represent one North Carolina? I've been so honored to serve North Carolinians for the last nearly 30 years as public defender, judge, and chief justice of the Supreme Court. My commitment to you is to serve you and serve you well. Thank you. Ms. Beasley, thank you. Mr. Budd, your 90 seconds. Tim, again, thank you for hosting the Spirited Conversation tonight. Ms. Beasley, thank you for being here as well. It's been an honor. Look, about 65 to 70 percent of North Carolinians believe that our country, our state, is on the wrong track. And we talk a lot about tonight about Joe Biden. Why am I doing that? Because Joe Biden is Come on, on the ballot on November 8th. 
and he goes by the name this year of Sherry Beasley because she would be an absolute rubber stamp for everything that's led to this country being on the wrong track. Whether that's inflation and having to choose this week between groceries or your power bill or back to school clothes for your kids. Look, you shouldn't have to make those tough decisions, but you are because of Joe Biden's policies, what they have been and what Sherry Beasley would support. Whether it comes to crime, if it's at our borders and the fentanyl and the human trafficking coming across, or a few hours, a few days later being right here in our counties in North Carolina, it's all connected. And those are policies that Sherry Beasley would do everything that Joe Biden has done leading to this runaway chaos. Or perhaps you're concerned about education and you just want to say in your kids' education, while Joe Biden is out there and his administration is calling parents domestic terrorists. Look, we can bring a stop to this, and I would like to ask for your prayers and your support and your vote on November 8th, because Joe Biden's policies are on the ballot, and I'd like to bring a stop to that, and that's why I'm running, to make your life better. May God bless you, and good night. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Appreciate both of you being here. That- so yes, this was the only, only debate in the North Carolina Senate. That's why I decided to take this one live. We're going to watch the Mandela Barnes, Ron Johnson debate, uh, which is wrapping up right now. We're going to watch it on replay. We're going to take a commercial break. If you're on YouTube, it should automatically roll you over to the next event. But if you want to click on my channel, if it doesn't take you, and then uh, you can click on the event for the Mandela Barnes, Ron Johnson debate in Wisconsin. Uh, and please stick around for the Friday Night Freak Show coming up directly after we watch the Barnes-Johnson uh, debate. So hang out with us. Quick commercial break. We'll be right back. We will watch a replay of the Wisconsin Senate debate. 